Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. We are having a baby dedication today. Anita Carlson is being dedicated today. Praise God. And it's so good to see the parents of both Angela and Nick with us today and all of our visitors that have come to be with us. We're glad for all of you. And uh, I am aware of the time and I feel no pressure. Genesis 22, verse 1. It came to pass after these things that the Lord did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Verse 2 is coming. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, the only son you have. Notice how God points out the important things before he makes his request. Can I get an amen? amen? Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, go into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains that I will tell thee of. Verse three. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering, rose up and went unto the place which God had told him of. And verse four. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place thereof. And today I want to preach to you on this subject. Will my children be great for God? Will my children be great for God? God bless you. You may be seated. Abraham was the father of a great nation, the nation of Israel. The promises of God were just initially beginning to come to pass. After being 100 years of age, he finally has his first son, Isaac. At approximately the age of 25 years, in the prime of Isaac's life, God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to offer that son back to me on an altar. He doesn't give an explanation as to why. He doesn't tell him how long the journey will be. He only tells him what he wants. There is no record that Abraham speaks to his wife about what he is about to do. No record. He leaves and he goes three days on a journey. That's a long time when you know that you're about to sacrifice your only son. Three days journey. And on the third day, he sees the place where the sacrifice is to take place, and there he is about to offer his son. There's a lot in this story that tells us about parenting. Please be seated, sir. Please be seated, okay? Thank you. There's a lot to be learned about Abraham and Isaac in this story. Three days journey, and he says to Isaac, now take the wood and take everything that we need for the sacrifice. We will go up the hill and we will come back together. 
We will come back together. My servants can't go with us. This is something that's gonna take place between God and I and my son. Not everybody can go on this journey as far as Abraham and Isaac can go. But when they get to that, they're going up that mountain, Isaac says, hey, Father, I see the wood, I see the fire, but I don't see the sacrifice. I pray that our children will continue to see the sacrifices that the parents make for their children. Where's the sacrifice? We could preach that message this morning. Where's the sacrifice? What is it that God has asked us to do that we are unwilling to do? Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself. God will provide himself a sacrifice. That was prophetic because God did provide the sacrifice. He robed himself in human flesh and was willing to be sacrificed for your sins and for mine. The place where Jesus died was just a short ways from where Isaac was about to be sacrificed. The place of Isaac's sacrifice was Moriah. The place of Jesus being sacrificed was Calvary. And you could see one mountaintop from the other. They were that close. That close. God knows all about sacrifice. And Abraham was about to learn about sacrifice. But be Isaac for a moment. Be the child as well. You're 25 years of age. You've learned about sacrifices before. Your father has brought you to altars many times. Somebody needs to preach with me today. Your father has brought you to altars many times. He's taught you how to worship. He's taught you how to pray and to seek after God. He's exampled what it means to be living for God and to be involved in what God has asked you to do. Isaac has observed his father. And now it's about time for him to step up and be his own man. It is difficult growing up, isn't it? Especially those teenage years. They're really tough, but I'll preach about that in a little bit. But Isaac, Isaac, he is willing. Can you imagine this? Abraham says, well, we've got the altar all built, Isaac. Yeah, I see that. Get up on top of it, Isaac, and let me tie you down. And there's no record of Isaac ever resisting what his father is asking him to do. There he lays on that wood, just as Jesus laid on a cross. And he's about to be executed. I can imagine him laying there thinking, why would God, but I trust my father and I trust God And if this is God's will for my life, then I will stay here and God's will be done. And Abraham raises up the knife and seconds before he would plunge it in, God speaks to him and says, stop. Now I know 
Now I know. God says, now I know because you have not withheld your only son. That was the most valuable thing that Abraham had was his son. How many of you as parents can remember that? How valuable is your marriage? How val- and, and you don't have a family without a marriage. How valuable are your children to you? I'm, I'm going to be scrutinized for what I'm about to say. But it is a terrible thing to suffer the loss of a spouse, I would imagine. I have not experienced it. Very difficult. But how difficult would it be to lose a child? How difficult would it be to have some little 10-year-old girl or 15-year-old boy that you've loved and waited for and, and you've grown to love and appreciate all those years and all of a sudden a tragedy takes place and they die? How difficult would that be for you? I believe that that's why Abraham could not even speak to Sarah about what he was going to do. He didn't want to put her in that position. But I'm going to tell you, it was a tremendous amount of pressure for Abraham to be under. He didn't know. He believed that Isaac could be resurrected, but he knew what he was supposed to do. And he almost did it. Children are a treasure from the Lord. And with treasures come responsibilities. And it's a tremendous responsibility to try and raise children. I I remember, I'm gonna share a few things with you. I remember being just a little boy. I'm gonna try and walk real fast through this story. I can remember being a little boy and having everything taken care of for me. And then one day, my parents said, you know what? You're old enough now to put your dirty clothes in this basket. You're old enough now to make your bed, and we will show you how to make a bed. And they showed me how to make a bed. And I felt pretty good about it. I'm old enough to make my own bed. I wasn't too keen on putting clothes in the basket, picking up the dirty clothes, or if I had any dishes in my room, having to take them to the kitchen. My parents at an early age explained to me that we could not afford a maid. So we are going to have to pick up after ourselves. Some of the women in this congregation are about to elbow their husband and say, you haven't even learned to pick up your clothes. You leave them on the floor thinking that the maid is going to come. We still don't have one. Why can't you learn to pick up your clothes? You must have had some bad upbringing. I'm just reinforcing the fact that if you wear them and if they come off, they could find their way to at least to a basket. You could pick up after yourself. You could get your dishes at least to the sink where somebody will wash them. You could put things in the garbage, and it's my responsibility to take the garbage out. There has to be a growth in us where we, we acquire more and more responsibility because we expect more and more privileges. Can I get an amen? And you can't have privileges without responsibility. And so I learned to, 
to make my bed and I learned to pick up my clothes and put my dishes in the sink. And then a little while later, they came to me and said, hey, we want to show you how to dust. This is a broom. This is how you sweep the floor. This is a dustpan. You dump it in the garbage. Makes things clean. This is a vacuum cleaner. Oh, that's too big and too noisy for me. Oh, it's real simple. All you have to do is push this button. And it sucks up all the stuff that we don't want on the carpeting. You can do that. And this is a sink. And this is ivory soap. And this is hot water. You say, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about because you've got dishwashers. Dishwashers come in the form of children. You wash the dishes. You rinse the dishes. You leave them for a while. Let the water drip off of them. And then you put them away. There's nothing magic about this. And we learn to accept more responsibility because we want more privileges. Then we become teenagers. And dad says, five days a week, you have a full-time job. And that job is, you go to school. I hated school. I didn't like going to school. I didn't have a choice. You go to school. You learn. That's your job. These other things, that's, that's still your responsibility, but... Monday through Friday, you go to school. Saturday, you help out with chores around the house. You learn to operate a lawnmower, a weed whacker, pull weeds, scrape and paint. If you're a boy, you might learn to change the oil. Saturdays, you do the house chores. Any of you experience that? I heard that. <laughs> And then Sunday, back to school. See, my parents, I, I won't mention the religion I was raised in. It was a denominal church. It was pretty basic. You go to church and Sunday school and confirmation and, and youth fellowship and things like that. that. That is not optional. That is required. See, really, I went to school six days a week. Five days at public school, one day at Christian school. Sunday morning, my parents would get me up. Why do I have to get up so early on Sunday morning? You're going to school. You're going to learn about Jesus. You're going to learn about the Bible. They didn't go to Sunday school, but they sent me to Sunday school. If I ever dared to question him about it, here's the famous line, do as I say, not as I do. That will not work. They need your example. Don't drop your kids off and drive away and say that's their responsibility. Let the church raise my kids. That's your responsibility. We support you. You should be supporting us. That's the way it works. There was no option. You go to Sunday school. Friday night, youth fellowship. I don't want to go. Too bad. 
You go to youth fellowship. You get a little bit older, you become a teenager. I went to confirmation classes to learn to be a good Christian. And when you complete your confirmation class, you get to be a member of that church and a member of that organization. You are certified. You need to learn about this. The Catholics call it catechism, but there's a training period. And when I went to confirmation class, this is what I never forgot. I went to Sunday school since I was a little boy. But when I became a teenager and they sent me to confirmation, they bought me a white leather Bible with gold on the edges and red letters for where Jesus spoke. And they said, this is a great gift that we're giving you. You need this. You take this with you to confirmation, to Sunday school, and to church. Can I get an amen? Now these screens, this one will be repaired shortly, these screens are for our visitors. The Bible is our textbook. There's one, there's one. I see a few of them. Here's one. Listen, this is my opinion. I'm not trying to be a dictator, but don't you ever be ashamed to take your Bible with you, especially to the house of God. How can you go to class without the textbook? That doesn't make any sense. Could you, go to a, could you go to a high school class or a college and the teacher says, all right, now we're gonna t- turn to page 112. Kylie, where's your book? Well, I didn't think I needed it. I'll just listen to you. You go ahead and read it, I'll believe it, I'll remember it, and I'll pass the test. It ain't gonna work. You better get your books, you better bring them to class, You better take them with you to class. You better take them home. You better study it, not just in the the classroom. You're going to need to study it at home because the tests are coming, and if you fail them, you're going to stay in the same grade, and you're going to keep taking it. Is anybody preaching with me today? This is the way it works spiritually, too. You need to know the book. Well, I trust the preacher. I mean, he knows it. He's a sharp guy. He knows the scripture. I trust him. He's my insurance salesman. He reads all the fine print. I don't need to read all that. I just go to class every once in a while, once a week, maybe twice. Or, and I expect to hear the word of God, but I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to study it. I'm not going to do anything with it. Because I got my salvation and that's all that matters to me. But the Bible indicates to us that everything that God ever created was meant to reproduce itself. Whether it was a tree, whether it was fruit, whether it was cattle, or even if it were human beings. He placed the seed inside of them so that they would reproduce. So even if you're never married, even if you never have a family, you are meant to reproduce your experience. The seed needs to be inside of you. And that seed needs to be shared. So if you think today that you came here and we're having a baby dedication and you say, well, I'm a single person, this doesn't relate to me. Or I've never had a child, I can't have a child, so this doesn't relate to me. Let me remind you that the chiefest of sinners was the apostle, 
Paul. And he was never married, and he never had any children, and yet he said, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. That's my joy. So everybody that he shared the seed with, everybody that was converted and was discipled, he considered them his own children. He exampled them, he taught them, he trained them, he discipled them. And he called them his own children. And it's no different today. I'm talking, I'm comparing both the natural and the spiritual. I hope you'll take your Bible with you everywhere. We need more home Bible studies. I'm gonna, I, I don't wanna, I, I try to avoid hurting people's feelings, but sometimes I just gotta be a little blunt. If you've been in the church five years, or 10 years, or 20 years, or, or more, and you come to church and you say, well, I know that Kylie guy, I've heard him preach lots of times, and, and he tells some of the same old stories, and it's kind of boring. Let me tell you how to spice up your life. Find somebody to share the word of God with and your testimony and have a baby and raise some kids. And when they come to church with you and they sit next to you, you example them with worship. You pray for them as they sit next to you. You bring them to an altar. You have some children and your entire life will change. Don't be barren, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. That's what we're supposed to do. And our children are looking to us to example them. Let me give you one more example. Exodus chapter eight, verse 25, Exodus eight twenty-five. Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, go ye sacrifice to you in, to the God in the land. Verse 26. And Moses called, it is not meet so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. So shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? And then the next verse, 27. We will go three days' journey into the wilderness, sacrifice to the Lord our God, and as he has commanded us. Now, how many days did Abraham go on his journey? My first question to God would be, God, why do you have to go three days away? Why do we have to wait three days? Why do we have to go to a foreign place to do this test that I don't want to do? And you know what the answer to that is? I don't know. And I don't like it. But God says, get going. But when he comes to Moses, he's specific with him and he says, I want you to get three days away from those Egyptians. And Pharaoh comes to them, we just read it, and Pharaoh says, hey Moses, now wait a minute. He offers him three things. The first thing he says is, you can stay and worship right here. You don't have to go three days away. We'll let you have your own religion. You can make your sacrifices right in our land. 
Let me tell you what happened to my mother. God rest her soul. She received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and decided that she was going to go back to her previous church. But amazingly, while she stood in her previous church, the Spirit of God fell on her and she began to speak in other tongues. The ushers came and lifted her up under each arm and dragged her out of the church and said, don't you ever come back to this church again. Now, I could have saved her that embarrassment, which I did, by telling her, don't ever go back there again. Get three days journey away. I don't care how far you have to drive. You know, we got people that drive from Lake Mills, Racine, Hartford, all the way to, there's lots of churches they pass on the way. Why don't they go there? Because they can't make the same sacrifice in front of those people. And so Moses said, no, we can't do that. So then the next thing that, that Pharaoh said to Moses was, well, okay, if you're gonna leave, don't go too far. I'm always looking for spiritual application. Let me say this to the parents. Parents, don't ever be afraid of going too far in prayer or in praise. Don't ever put your hands in your pockets when they should be lifted or praising God. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout! That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say whisper. It doesn't even say talk. It said, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. I would that men would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands in the sanctuary. Well, that's too much for me. It's not about you. We're not here to worship you. We're here to worship God. And if that's what pleases him, then that's not going too far. That's going by what he requires and what he wants. And it is not about you. It is all about him. So don't be afraid to go too far. Well, you know, I can't go to church. Let's see now. Where do we got here? We got a prayer meeting coming up on Monday. And we got one on Friday. And we got midweek service on Wednesday. And then we got a Sunday school class at 9.15 on Sunday morning and 10. Man, what is this all about? I, pretty soon I'm going to be spending my whole life in church. Well, you just fulfilled what Paul said. For me to live is Christ. This is not about being religious. You were used to going only so far. You know, I'll give you one hour a week, but that's it. You're listening to Pharaoh. Don't go too far. You could do it right here. It is not going to work. You can't serve two masters. And God is a jealous God. So then he says, well, the third question was, well, if I can't convince you not to stay and you're going to go three days journey, you got to go three days, who's going to go? Who are you going to take with you? Maybe I could convince you to leave your children behind. And he tries to do that. Take a look at Exodus 10 and 8. 
10 and 8. Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go serve the Lord your God. Who are they that are going to go? Verse 9. Moses said, We will take our young. Here's the right answer, folks. Listen to Moses. We will take our young and our old. We will take our sons. We will take our daughters. We will take our flocks. That means our possessions and our wealth. For we must hold a feast unto the Lord. You know what he didn't say? And, that, and it was just wisdom. And we're going to take a bunch of your wealth too. Everything we got goes. And everything we can borrow from you, we're taken. Because you ain't going to need it where you're going. But he didn't say it. But he did take it. And that's how they built the tabernacle, by the way. Do not give your children to the world. Well, you know, I can't force my kids. Why not? They're your kids. Listen, if the state can force them to go to school, you ought to be able to force them to go to church. And do you really think that if you give them five days in the world and an hour on Sunday morning that they're going to grow up being Christians? If you say, hey, you know what, you... We really don't need to read our Bible and we don't need to pray and we don't need to go to church and be involved in the things of God. Do you really think that there's some magic powder that's going to come over them and they're going to turn into Christians? We need to have them in our youth groups. We need to have them in our Sunday school. We need to have them in our prayer meetings. We need to come as families. That's why we have family prayer, not adult prayer. Oh, it's getting pretty quiet in here. But I want my children to be great for God. And I'm not going to give them to the world. You ever consider giving them a Bible? Buying them a Bible? No, they need a rifle. They need a fishing pole. They need a prom dress. No, they need a Bible. And you need to show them how to read it. And you need to discuss it. Let's discuss this chapter over supper tonight. How would that be? The bread for tomorrow is Matthew chapter 1. We'll be discussing it at supper. There will be a test. How about that for a plan? Because I want my children to be great for God. Great for God. And I want to say this to the teenagers. I just felt this, and I know several of them aren't here, but I'll say this to the teenagers. I know it's tough being a teenager. I remember being rebellious myself. I can't wait till I'm 18 and I'm out of this. I'm out of here. And I'm not following your rules anymore. Let me tell you what the real sign of maturity is. You ready for this? This is a word of wisdom now. The real sign that you are no longer a child and you have turned the corner on being an adult is this. Ready? 
when you can respect your parents and authority and become obedient. That is maturity. Other than that, you are just immature and selfish and rebellious. My children, I'm proud of my children, both of my children, my daughter and my son. My, I can't remember my son or my daughter ever calling me Rick. Can't remember it. In front of people, church people, they'll say, Brother Kylie or Sister Kylie. But when we're alone, it's always mom or dad. Always respectful. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? These things need to be taught if they're going to be caught. You need to teach them and instill them a respect, not only for your authority, but for all authority. Because if they don't respect earthly authority, how do you think they're going to respect heavenly authority? And you don't talk bad about authority in the church either. You wonder why sometimes teenagers won't listen to pastors? Because sometimes we've poisoned our kids with things like, well, there's church politics, or there's this, or there's that. And then we say, pastor, we're having trouble in our home. Please come over and help us. And the kid looks at us like, why is that? They've been taught. You don't have to listen to him. Well, I believe some of that, but I don't believe all of it. Why don't you? What's the word of God have to say about it? I want my children to be better than I am. Don't you? I want them to be better than I am. And that means I have a responsibility to teach them, to love them, to pray for them, to encourage them. Let's stand together. The greatest gift that you can give your children is not money. It's time. Time. Remember what you've been taught. The way that you spend your money reveals your values. And the way that you spend your time reveals your priorities. Please remember that and please practice it. One day a little boy that felt very neglected by his father came to his father and said, Dad, how much do you make an hour? I notice you work a lot of hours per week. He said, Son, I've worked a long time and I've climbed the ladder and now I make $30 an hour. Wow, he said, that's, that's really good, Dad. And he walked away. A long period of time later, he came back to his dad. And he said, Dad, I have $30 for you. And the father said, well, what's that for? He said, I want to buy one hour of your time. That should have just pierced your heart. I want to buy one hour of your time. How much are we willing to give God of our time, of our money? And how much are we willing to give our spouse and our family in the same regard?
What are you worth an hour? Jesus, I pray today that we would take this message and say, I'm going to be the best Christian that I can be, full time, seven days a week. If I'm married, I'm going to be the best husband. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.